Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 22. Ephesians 5 and verse 22. <coughs> the Bible said, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ he is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For an old man ever hate, yet hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bone. For this cause shall a man leave his father... <coughs> mother and shall be joined unto his wife and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Father, Lord, we want to thank you for the singing. Thank you, dear Lord, for your presence that's been in this place tonight. Thank you for the good day you've already blessed us with. And I pray now, Lord, that you'll touch the preaching tonight. Give us liberty. I pray you'll touch us physically and spiritually and mentally tonight. And may you get the glory and honor. And we'll love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to draw your attention to two verses in this passage of Scripture. And I want you to notice in verse number 27 where the Bible said that he might present it to himself. Notice this, a glorious church. And then in verse number 32, thank you, brother, the Bible said this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. A glorious church, but a mystery, he said, I speak concerning Christ and the church. Now, whenever we think about this passage of Scripture, oftentimes when we come to it, we deal with the relationship of the home between the husband and the wife. But I do not want to do that tonight. I want to put it actually in the contents uh, or context in which Paul is writing about. You know that Paul throughout the book of Ephesians is emphasizing the church in chapter 1. It's the majesty chapters. He talks about the blessings that is upon the church. And then in chapter 2, it's the mercy chapter as he talks about how we the Gentile church have been brought out and the middle wall of partition has been broken down and now there's no difference between the Jew or the Gentile in chapter 3 he talks about it's the mystery chapter as he unveils the mystery uh, concerning the church and the grace of God unto the Gentiles and then in chapter 4 uh, it is the more, uh, morality chapter and the maturity chapter as he talks about as believers how we ought to walk and how we live uh, and then here in chapter 5, uh, it's the marriage chapter. As Paul is uh, uh, showing the picture between Christ or the relationship between Christ and his church. Amen. I do want to remind us tonight that we are the bride of Christ. Amen. We are the body of Christ, uh, but we're also the bride of Christ. Uh, and when you think about that in this context here, Paul talks about in verse 27 that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, and then in verse 32, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. I want to preach a few minutes tonight on this subject on seven glorious truths concerning Christ and the church. Amen? Seven glorious truths concerning Christ and his church. I'm glad I'm a part of the church tonight. Amen? I'd rather be a part of the church as the Masonic Lodge. Somebody say amen. 
Thank God I don't think we have no masons here tonight. And if we do, you ought to give your ring up, turn your book in, amen, and get out of the Masonic Lodge and join the church, amen. You say I don't like that. Doesn't make no difference to me tonight. Listen, we don't stand with the Lodge and we don't stand with the Mooses and the Gooses and everybody else, amen. I'm gonna tell you, thank God tonight the church is not an organization. It's a living organism, amen. Jesus died for the church. He gave his life for the church and the church is not going down. Thank God the church is going up, amen. The church is a mighty army in these last days and in a dark world we can shine brighter and we can stand taller and we can cling to the blessed hope that just any day now Jesus is coming, thank God. And when he comes, you know who he's coming for? He's not coming for the Masons, amen. He's not coming for the Elk Lodge and he's not coming for the Moose Lodge. I don't know why I'm on that, but I sure am glad I am. He's coming for the church of the living God, hallelujah, and he's gonna take his bride away, amen. Here's seven glorious truths in this text concerning Christ and the church. First of all, I want you to see in verse number 23 the superiority of the church. He said, for the husband is the head of the wife, notice this, even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body, amen. I wanna say tonight, Christ is the head of the church. He's the head, he's the hope, and he's the healer of the church. You see, the church is not ran by the preacher. Somebody say amen. And the church is not ran by the deacon board. Somebody say amen. We know and we understand tonight that God has placed us in roles of leadership, but we know who the superior one is in the church, amen. You see, the church doesn't belong to me as a pastor, and the church doesn't belong to the deacon board. That's one reason why God blesses this place is because we've got enough sense to know to not put our hands on the ownership of the church. It's his bride. It's his body. It belongs to him. Amen. I'm glad, thank God, it is his church tonight. Amen. Now, I've been in some places where, uh, listen, maybe some family-owned and operated outfit was together. And they thought that they ran the church and owned the church. But I want to tell you, my friend, all we are tonight as leaders in the church is we're just following the orders of the one that leads us and guides us. You see, I'm not the shepherd of the flock. I'm the under-shepherd, amen. There is a chief shepherd, and he's the one that leads the church. And the superiority of the church is seen in verse number 23 as Christ is the head of the church, amen. You know, anything without a head is dead. Isn't that right? And anything with two heads or more is a freak. Can I get an eight man right there? And my friend, the, the church only has one head and it is the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is that? Because the Bible said in verse 23, he, he is the savior of the body. Amen? Christ is the savior of the body. Y'all pray for me tonight. I sure need it. I'm thinking about gargling some battery acid and see if that'll work. Amen. But uh, we see here the, 
the superiority of the church. And then I want you to notice the submission uh, in the church. Uh, We're talking about seven glorious truths. The superiority of the church being Christ. Then notice the submission in the church. Now he says in verse 22, wives, (coughs) submit yourself unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband's the head of the wife, uh, even as Christ is head of the church and the savior of the body. Now notice this, therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. I will stop and say this, uh, when the Bible talks about wives being uh, submissive to their husband, you'll notice in verse 22 that it's as to the Lord, and then in verse number 24, it's in everything. So a wife is to submit to her husband in everything as to the Lord, isn't that right? That's what the teaching is, and the reflection of that is a picture in the church. Uh, The church is to submit to Christ, Uh, the submission in the church. Uh, We're all to submit as we read uh, this morning one to another in verse number 21 in the fear of God. There ought to be humility from the pulpit all the way down to the pew. Isn't that right? And nobody wants a pastor and I pray to God I'm not that way. Nobody wants a pastor that feels like he's large and in charge. Amen. Uh, you know, if you've ever sat there, maybe you have it, but I can remember when I was younger, I, as a teenager, I would sit there and say, I wonder why pastor doesn't do this. I know y'all have never thought that. <laughs> I've even been so bold as to think to myself, man, if I was the preacher, you know what I'd do? And then the Lord let me be the preacher. And I found out why the pastor doesn't do some of the things because God won't let him. <laughs> Isn't that right? I mean, I thought before, man, if I was the pastor, I'd jerk a knot in that tail. Have you ever thought that about somebody? Boy, I tell you, I'd put that on, but you know what? You really can't do that. I mean, unless the Lord just tells you to, and then you don't want to because the same judgment you use on others is gonna be used on you. And so it's a fearful thing, but you realize when God puts you in that place, the best thing is to submit to the authority that's over you. And I'm not telling you I've been a great example of that, but by the grace of God, I wanna be an example of humility. I sure don't wanna be an example of arrogancy or pride and boldness in the pulpit and preaching the truth is not arrogancy, it's not pride but my friend, building up your flesh and building up yourself and making the ministry and the church about you and about personality, that is the flesh, amen, and if it starts at the head, it'll be a cancer that'll spread through the whole church I'm saying we have to submit ourselves. that means when I speak to you I'm to do that with respect I'm to do that with decency and you're to do that toward me and we're to treat each other that way because we're brethren. We're the family of God. Amen. And we'll always be right to submit to somebody. Amen. You know, sometimes growing up as a young person, you get the mindset that, man, when I get older, or when I get older, I'm going to be out on my own and I can be my own person. But there's always somebody telling you what to do. Isn't that right? When you go to work, they're going to tell you what to do. Some of the, I mean, sometimes young people, they don't, they get tired of people telling them what to do. So the first thing they do when they get 18 is they join the army. <laughs> that shows you their youth. And then if you get married, you say, well, I, nobody's ever gonna tell me what to do. But when you get married, guess what? And you go to work and you provide for that family, somebody's gonna tell you what to do. And you say, well, I'll own my own company. There'll still be somebody out there that you'll have to purchase from and they'll tell you what to do. You see, my friend, we all have to surrender to that authority uh, that's in our life. And we have to learn what it is uh, uh, to be submissive one to another. 
Notice here, the, we find here the, the submission in the church. And then uh, we see here not only the submission, but notice the sacrifice for the church. Look at verse 25. He said, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. When you think about the sacrifice of the church, uh, Jesus gave himself for the church. It's a sacrificial love and it's a sacrificial life. Amen. I want to say tonight, I'm glad that Christ loved us and how that we know that he loved us is he sacrificed his life on the cross of Calvary and that tells me the cross of Calvary tells me that Christ loved me as an individual and he loved us collectively as a church. Amen. I mentioned it a few weeks ago and I'll mention it one more time. I do believe in a universal church because you have to believe that. If you believe we're all baptized into one body by the spirit of God, I believe in a local church. Amen. And I don't say, well, I'm a part of the universal church so therefore I don't have to be a part of the local church. Well, I'm telling you, friend, listen, when you get in the hospital, you want a local preacher to come visit you, don't you? You don't listen, the radio or the TV evangelist isn't going to come see you when you're in the hospital. And when you die, you want a local preacher to preach your funeral. Isn't that right? And you ought to be a member of a church somewhere. And the church is universal. And the church ought to be a local church. And we believe in a local church. The church is visible. Amen. The church can be seen. The church is vocal. Amen. And Christ died for the church. Amen. I do not believe you can separate the church in the, in the church age. You cannot say tonight that there are those who are part of the bride and those who are friends of the bride. To say that would mean that Christ died for some, but he didn't die for others. Because the Bible says very clearly here in this verse, that he gave himself, he loved the church and gave himself for it. I want to say the sacrifice, isn't that a glorious truth? That Christ gave himself for the church. Somebody said, well, what's the big deal about joining a church? Well, it's who Jesus died for. I think if Christ died for the church, I ought to be a part of the church. Amen. He said, well, there's things I don't like about the church. Well, there's probably things the church don't like about you, but they're not saying anything about it, so you ought to not say anything about it. They're letting you come, so you ought to join. That's for anybody that might feel that way, and I'm sure that you don't feel that way tonight, or you wouldn't be here. But there are people, they've been members of 25 churches, and we don't want this to be number 26. Can I get a witness on that? I mean, listen, you can't satisfy that crowd, and so all you can do is pray for them until they get right with God. And so we see the sacrifice for the church. And then we see the splendor of the church. Notice in verse number 27, the Bible said that he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Notice this, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Now I know until we get to the judgment seat, we'll never fully be holy. Completely without blemish. But tonight the church is to strive for holiness. Is that right? And I said this morning that I wanted our church to be known not as a separated church, but a church where people love people. When people come in, the first thing that I want them to experience is, is that they're welcome. Amen. If they're not saved, we don't want them to be comfortable, but we want them to feel welcome. We want them to know that people here love them. And more importantly, that we love the Savior. Amen. And that ought to be the overwhelming uh, truth that shines through about our church is that that's a church that loves God. That's a church that loves Jesus. 
Jesus Christ. But at the same time, we cannot, uh, we cannot do away with separation. We cannot do away with clean living and holiness. Uh, and as a church, we have been called, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 15, the Bible says, uh, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation because it is written, be ye holy for I am holy. The church ought to be a holy place uh, and the people ought to be a holy people and my friend, we ought to practice and we ought to live by holiness. Isn't that right? You know, it's amazing how worldly our churches have become. How that now you can go to church and you can dress any old way. You know, when a sinner comes to church, I don't care how they're dressed. And you don't care how they're dressed. We, we just want them to come and hear the gospel and be saved. But I tell you, to be a member of a church, you ought to look like you're a member of a church. And not just on Sunday. Can I get an amen? You ought to dress right. And I'll tell you, in a church, it ought to not be in, there will not be flesh showing in the church. Can I get a witness right there? Brother, I mean, when the choir gets up to sing, everybody ought to be dressed right. I mean, their clothes ought to be loose. Somebody say, man, I'm talking about the dresses don't need to be tight. Somebody say, man, they don't need to be low cut. Somebody say, man, right there. They don't need to be short. Somebody say, man, they don't need to be so high uh, that you got to look at the carpet and they don't need to be cut so low uh, that you can't look up, amen. And listen, I mean, it's sad, but even amongst the, the men now, the clothing's should not be so tight, amen. I mean, what about these guys? They, they go to church with a muscle shirt on. Well, that's impressive, isn't it? And I've seen their muscles, amen. I mean, they don't got a six pack. Looks like some of them sporting a keg, amen. Well, tell where their, their muscle shirt, uh, the house of God. Uh, I mean, you know they got better than that. Uh, and you ought, to live, must, you ought to have more respect for the house of God. If you're a child of God and a Christian, uh, you ought to put on something decent. You ought to put on something, amen. Uh, and don't call attention to your body, amen. You ought to come in the house of God uh, and respect in the, the house of God. Uh, and you ought to look like a Christian, amen. Somebody might hear this somewhere and say, well, don't you think you can wear a muscle shirt and be a Christian? If you listen to it online, I'll just say, go ahead and say it. Absolutely not. <laughs> Jesus didn't wear a muscle shirt. Somebody say amen. Somebody say, well, 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 you don't know what Jesus would be wearing in 2021. I sure do. If you'll turn over to Revelation, you don't have to tonight, but you look at it when you go home. Just turn over to Revelation chapter one. It tells us what he's wearing right now and what he's wearing when he comes back. You know what he's wearing when he comes back? He's wearing a garment all the way down to his ankle. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, nakedness has always been a picture of sin in the Bible from the garden all the way down. When Adam and Eve sinned, the first thing they did, their eyes were open and the first thing they had lied in is they knew they were naked. They left that state of innocence and they stepped into the state of consciousness uh, and what they did was they ran and they sold uh, fig leaves together and they clothed themselves, didn't they? And it wasn't enough. They put them fig leaves on. That probably was a mini skirt for Eve and a muscle shirt for Adam. God came through and said, that ain't enough clothes. And he put some clothes on them. He put skins on them and he clothed them. And the purpose of clothing is to cover the body, not to uncover the body. It's to conceal, not to reveal. Now, I don't think you've got to run around in a potato sack. Somebody say amen. But I think at the same time, we ought to be decent. I don't know why I'm plowing on it, but it ought to be preached in church, shouldn't it? 
And it ought to not get quiet when we preach on clothing in church. I, I've not been a smart aleck. I've not been mean about it. I'm just telling you, this younger generation, they need to know this. And I, ble- I believe they know it because we got parents here that believe the same thing. But it's just reinforcement. It needs to be said because we live in a society that wants to strip our young people off. They want to paint them up like a bunch of Jezebels. And they want to listen, take them girls out of that little innocent state they're in. And they want to make models out of them and supermodels out of them. And I'll tell you what they want to do. They want to wreck and ruin their lives and destroy their bodies. They want to pervert the minds of our young people. I mean, listen, if you got any God about you at all, there'll be something rise up in you and make you mad. When they listen, this society is so sick and so perverted and so warped. You know what they want to do? They want to teach child pornography in our public school systems. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to preach against that mess until the day I die. Amen. I'm telling you, I don't care if they lock us up and throw away the key. It's still sin. It's still an abomination. It's wickedness in the eyes of Almighty God. You younger people hear me tonight to clothe your body and live a, listen, live a pure life and walk down the wedding aisle and be able to say you're a virgin. It's a great honor. It's a great privilege. It's something that a lot of young people can't do in this hour. If you got parents that'll teach you how to dress right and do right and you go to church where you still hear that kind of preaching, you ought to thank God for it in this hour. Amen. I'm telling you, you go to a lot of churches, you look at the average youth group, and I'm not talking about ones that's just been evangelized. I mean, they're standing there, they got their, I mean, their, their hair, their, their hairs, their haircuts, I mean, I mean, it's just, I mean, it looks like a freak show. Sad, ain't it? And Hollywood and social media and the world has so warped their way of thinking. You boys, I commend young men, I commend you for wearing a suit to church. Amen. Isn't that a blessing? It's not a requirement here, but it sure is a blessing. See these young boys with these younger boys coming up. You know why they're wearing suits? Because they're seeing these older boys wear suits. The young ladies wearing dresses, amen. You don't have, to, don't have to worry about the way you come to church. You say, why? where's that at? It's right there in verse 27. A church, listen, the church should be holy and without blemish, amen. And while I'm on that subject this morning or this evening, the only way to keep those blemishes out of my life and out of your life, you know how? It's to take the word of God and just constantly preach it and teach it and expose it. I'm not saying anything you hadn't already heard and many of you have heard it all your life, but thank God you've heard it all your life. You know how many places tonight you could go and never hear preaching on sin anymore, never hear preaching on separation. Second Corinthians chapter seven and verse number one said, having therefore these promises dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Psalms one, verse number one said, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the sea of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. If you want to have a prosperous life, live a clean life. Amen. Psalms 119 and verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways by taking heed thereunto according to thy word. I'll tell you what the word of God will do. It'll clean you up. It'll clean your mind. It'll clean your 
your heart. It'll clean your soul. I'm telling you, help you live a clean life. And a clean life is a blessed life. Hallelujah. Praise God tonight. I'm talking about separation. I probably won't preach the rest of it because I'm having too good a time preaching on this. Don't you thank God? I'm, I'm glad that our choir, I'm glad we got a choir tonight and not a rock band. I know you heard it this morning, but I mean, it's, I just got to say it again. I'm glad we got bluegrass, but we don't have the country music fest going on. Amen. I'm telling you, don't you thank God you go to church and you don't have to hear Sweet Home Alabama with amazing grace words attached to it. I mean, that's how weird this society has gotten, amen. They want to grab a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I think church music ought to sound like heaven, amen, not hell. Somebody say amen. Ought to not look like a honky-tonk. Ought to not sound like a honky-tonk. We ought not dress like we're at a honky-tonk. And we ought to not dance like we're at one, amen. I'm telling you, friend, when you go to church, there ought to be some spirit-filled singing. There ought to be some spirit-filled preaching, amen. The presence of God ought to be real and God ought to be moved. And God will bless holiness, amen. Verse four, chapter Psalm, or Psalms chapter one said, but the ungodly are not so. They're like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment or sinners in the congregation of the righteous for the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. But the way of the ungodly shall perish. Our churches are full of sin today. Oh, listen. And in a church like this, I praise God for people that'll stand for the truth and stand for what's right. But can I tell you where we're at today in 2021? If you let up one centimeter in this day, you crack the door just a little bit, it'll come in like a flood. You know that. You know why sometimes I preach the same things over and over? It's not because there's nothing else to preach. You constantly have to, you know what you do when you, when, when you build a fence and, and you got cattle and you got whatever livestock out there? You know what you have to do? You have to constantly, Brother Allen, go around and check the fence row and check the post. Uh, what you're checking for is if a board is broken or if a post is leaning or if there's a weak spot in that fence uh, and what you do, you got to repair it immediately. You can't let that go. You know why? Because if you let that go, you know what's going to happen, don't you? Something dangerous is going to get in or something that you love and cherish is going to get out. I'll tell you what a man of God's got to do in this day and time. He's got to run the fence rows, amen? He's got to make sure that those things are still reinforced and still put where they've always been. He's got to keep preaching and keep mending. You know why? Because we value our children. We value our grandchildren. We value our homes. We value our church, don't we? Amen? Hey, we're not painting the ceiling black and we're not turning the lights down low and we're not getting blue lights in the choir or purple lights in the choir. I know some people say, oh, that doesn't mean anything, but it's an identity mark. I'll tell you where we're at. We're gonna stay on our side of the fence. We're gonna stay in the pasture we've always been in. We're gonna do what we've always been doing. It may not be popular in this world, but thank God it still works and it's still real and it still pleases God. Hallelujah. Woo! Praise God for old time, uh, Holy Ghost, a uh, uh, separation, amen. Hallelujah. Still living right. Isn't that right? I mean, don't wear it. Boys, don't wear shorts. I mean, they cost too much to not go all the way to your ankles anyway. <laughs> you just got gyps, what happened? 
I don't know where that came from, but just live clean. Live holy. I know it's out of style and it's outdated, but it, God will just bless you for it. Make sure you got the right kind of haircut. Don't wear a necklace neither. Isn't that right? If you join the army and you got a dog tag, we'll let you slide on that one. I preached that at youth camp. I preached against necklaces at youth camp and everybody had dog tags on. I think I had one on too. <laughs> but you know something? I used to hear that kind of preaching. Don't wear a bracelet. I mean, wouldn't you be a cute thing, a boy with a bracelet? And a guy signed something the other day when I was in the office and <clears throat> he was 60 years old and he had a bracelet on. He was writing, on, that thing was just a shining and a dangling. And I was looking at the boy, my wife would like that. <laughs> I wouldn't want to wear nothing that would interest a woman to wear. <laughs> Amen. But I'm telling you, we live in a weird society today, don't we? I mean, but you got to hear that. Don't put an earring in your ear. I remember my daddy wasn't even a Christian and earrings was big in the 80s, you know. And uh, I remember I come home one day. I said, so I said, daddy, you know so-and-so's got an earring in their ear. He said, they do. I said, yeah. He said, well, don't you, aren't you glad you don't have one? I said, what do you mean? He said, if you did, I'd jerk it out. I said, oh yeah, I'm glad I don't have one. <laughs> I'm just telling on him what I was doing. <laughs> but he's lost. And he knew that earrings was for girls, not for boys. See, it started with an earring. Now we're in a mess where they tell them you can, you can be a boy and act like a girl. You can go to the opposite bathrooms. Isn't that, isn't that perverted? I'm going to tell you, if I, had a, if I had a young girl, I wouldn't care if she was 16 years old. I wouldn't let her go to a public bathroom by herself. It's not that I wouldn't trust her. You just don't know what kind of pervert may be in the stall somewhere. Say, man, because they've just said anything goes in this society. But I'll tell you, when you get in the word of God, the Bible said the church ought to be holy. Amen. Hey, if you go to our restroom, guess what? There's a sign for the men and there's a sign for the women and we mean every bit of it. If it don't with church, I'm telling you, we'd still stand by that rule. we still live by that principle. And if you look at how they're dressed on that little symbol, it'll even tell you how a man dresses and how a lady dresses. I'm just simply telling you, friend, it's still right. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, my teenage years, I remember growing up sitting under some old-time leather lung preaching when men of God got full of the Holy Ghost. They pulled both hammers back. They preached on sin. They called it by name. I'll tell you what God did for me. He kept me between the ditches, friend. He kept me going, friend, out in the world. And thank God for a church that still believed in holiness. Hallelujah. Still right tonight. It's a glorious truth, isn't it? In an unholy world, it's so dirty to come into a place tonight and see that there's still people that still believe this way. The security of the church, I'll give them to you and be done. The splendor of it. The security in verse number 27. He'll honor the church so all men ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. He talks about, for no man ever yet hate his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it. But look here, even as the Lord, the church, everything about the husband and wife comes back to the Lord and the church. The security is in Christ. The manner in which he loves us is as he loves himself. And then there's the structure and the strength of the church. Look at <coughs> verse number 30. <coughs> the Bible said, <coughs> For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bone. 
For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. You notice in verse number 30, there's a perfect union between the husband and the wife. They're joined together as one flesh. And then there's a perfect understanding in verse 31 or verse 32 and verse 33. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. There's a perfect union, a perfect understanding. As the husband and the wife, two flesh becomes one. You see tonight that in that union, so it is with Christ and the church. You know what the desire of Bible Baptist Church and every church ought to be? That we would be one with Christ. Amen. I want to say this tonight in closing. I think it's so important in the Christian life. That the Christian life is not a list of do's and don'ts. Everything I just preached, you know it's true. But it's more than that tonight. It's union with Christ. The only book that Hudson Taylor ever wrote was on that subject. On the union of Christ. And tonight, don't miss the mark. I want to reiterate what I've said this morning. Everything that we do as a Christian has to be for one reason and one reason alone because we love Jesus. Amen. I've seen people come in this church and to them, whether they knew it or not, it was just another fad in their life. There may have been some sincerity in it, but they got on the bandwagon of what everybody else was doing. One way to know that about them is because they always go a little further than everybody else goes. They really get in there and they're 100% in. But if it's not because they love Jesus, you wait long enough and you know what will happen? They'll blow out. They'll get tired of doing that. If you do these things because you go to this church, you're miserable. But if you do these things because it's real to you, you love Jesus. That song they sung, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. That's what that song says. I love Jesus. If you do it because of Him, and sometimes when the closest friends you have in the ministry and maybe even family members change, let up, or even walk away, you'll keep on going because it's because of Him. Tonight as we stand, as they come and get us a song ready, it's a great truth that Christ would love us that much to let us be a part of the church. I thank God for this church, and I know you do too. It's been said so many times. I thought about Brother Laddie said it many times in his testimony. Hey, thank God just to have a good place to come and worship God. And that's so true tonight. What would life be like without your church? I mean, I, I know that we can serve God tonight and we can go on, but we need the church. We draw strength one from another. The family of God. I'm glad to be a part of this family.